This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, March 28, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. President Obama admires Colin Powell, though it's not clear what the president has learned from the general's wisdom in military matters. Chris Preble, director of foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute, says the Weinberger-Powell doctrine, which asks for compelling national interests, broad support at home and abroad, and an achievable goal, is now officially dead. Casper Weinberger was, sec- was President Reagan's first Secretary of Defense, and his principal aide was Colin Powell. Uh, in 1984, after the Lebanon intervention, the, the Marine Merricks bombing and related unpleasantness, uh, Secretary Weinberger and Powell attempted to articulate a series of uh, uh, kind of criteria to prevent the deployment of forces uh, for similar missions, and those criteria included um, – uh, a clear uh, military objective and therefore some semblance of an exit strategy, uh, uh, the strong support of the American people, and they stipulated also uh, international public opinion was important. Uh, they, uh, it's usually boiled down to something to the effect of overwhelming force and things like that. They also had a, a stipulation that force be a last option. Again, not a revolutionary concept. This has been around for hundreds of years. Um, and they, uh, most importantly, in my mind, is they stipulated that there must be some compelling U.S. national interest at stake. Um, it's that part, I think, of all the criteria that has become most uh, blurry over the years. Uh, even in the most recent case, uh, in the Libya case, uh, the president says that the U.S. national interest is the prevention of slaughter against uh, Libyan civilians uh, many thousands of miles away. Um, that may be a, a moral interest or a moral objective, but it's not a tangible U.S. security objective. The president's never claimed that it is. Um, and it also begs the question, uh, if in Libya, why not Ivory Coast? Why not Darfur? Why not Democratic Republic of Congo? Why not Zimbabwe? You can go down the list. Uh, and I think that as whenever we stray too far from a sense of using the military only to advance U.S. national security, uh, we open up a kind of Pandora's box that is uh, as, uh, you know, almost impossible to close. President Obama himself, uh, in making his argument, he talks about U.S. national interest but then also talks about U.S. national security interests. Right. As if when you're talking about the military, that those two things are somehow separate. Right. And that there is some sort of national interest uh, for yes. which we should be using the military that he's not necessarily articulating. That's right. I, I think President Obama is quite uh, aware of the fact that there is this tension between a, a strict definition of the legitimate uses of force um, he professes to be a fan of Colin Powell, and I, I suspect that's actually true. Uh, we know that the president has met on several occasions with, with former Secretary Powell. Um, and so, you know, I think that he is – there's a certain kind of impulse in Obama's nature to want to try to uh, adhere to a stricter definition. On the other hand, he has people in his administration who are of the uh, – well, and we have to remember, of course, that Colin Powell fought famously with Madeleine Albright – uh, over the uses of force. And I think in many respects, uh, Secretary Clinton is in the same mold as, as uh, Madeleine Albright or our UN Ambassador Susan Rice, a very similar kind of expansive view of U.S. interests that are much more about uh, protecting human rights globally and not just about advancing U.S. security here at home. 
given the way the administration has articulated our reasons for going into Libya, making war in Libya, uh, you mentioned some other nations. Right. What does that criterion that they've set up, what does that open up in terms of potential uh, involvements for the U.S. military? Right. It, the, the stated objective is to protect civilians from harm. Uh, and if that is the stated objective, it is a very open-ended mission. Because if you think about what happened in Iraq, uh, much of the violence, in fact, some of the worst violence, was not perpetrated by Saddam loyalists after the ouster of the regime, but but reprisal attacks, revenge and retribution by Shiites against Sunnis. Now, thankfully, in Libya, you don't have the kind of sectarian divide between Sunnis and Shiites. What you do have is a horribly divided country, as many as I've heard, 140 different tribes. Uh, and in some respects, Libya might not even be a country at all in the classic sense of the term. It's been kind of held together artificially by Qaddafi's rule for 41 years. So if we are committed to protecting civilians, it seems to me we have to be equally committed in the event that we achieve our unstated objective, but the kind of understood objective, which is uh, Qaddafi's ouster. And therefore, uh, we would be on the hook to remain there for some period of time to protect civilians and post-conflict reconstruction. Pretty much after uh, these uh, attacks from the U.S. started, there goes up the call, well, what if Gaddafi's still there? Right. You know, weeks later, months later, right. what if Gaddafi's still there? We've got to make additional moves to save American face. Right. Once we've put our credibility on the line— Anything short of Qaddafi's ouster will be interpreted as a failure, and the United States does not fail. So the narrative writes itself. It, the, the story is we, we hope that Qaddafi leaves, uh, you know, feet first or otherwise. I don't really care. But the only way in my mind that this cannot be a long-term protracted mission is if the United States uh, achieves that objective or that objective kind of transpires – and, and then the control of the mission is handed over very swiftly to uh, especially the neighboring states who do have a compelling national security interest at stake. We do not. Um, but also to the European countries who have much more also at stake than we do. Chris Preble is Director of Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.